Welcome to the Bridge to God's Word podcast with Carla Unseth, a linguistic consultant for missionaries working in Bible translation. We invite you to visit us at www.bridgetogodsword.org to learn more about Carla's ministry. Now, here's linguistic consultant Carla Unseth. Hi, and welcome to Building a Bridge to God's Word. This is Carla Unseth. So right now, we're in the middle of a podcast series called Roadmap to the Bible. The Bible is one coherent story, but often we get lost in all these small stories that make up that larger story, so we miss the connections. So I hope that this podcast will help you make some of those connections so you can see how the Bible is telling one story. In fact, I mentioned in one of the earlier podcasts in this series that the Bible follows the same plot line or story arc that you would learn in literature class for basically any story. And I think that seeing this plot line really helps to understand how the Bible works as one overarching story. So I actually wrote a blog post which describes what this plot idea means, and I included a visual picture so you can see how the Bible follows that story arc. So I'd really encourage you to go check it out on my website, which is www.bridgetogodsword.org, and you can just click on the blog link to the left side. So far in this series, we have talked about the overall theme of the Bible, and then looked at this theme as it plays out in the book of Genesis, which is the story from the creation to the story of Joseph in Egypt. So just as a reminder, the overall theme of the Bible is God's glory, and the story of human history points to the glory of God the Creator, and, as we will see, God the Savior as well. So along with God's glory is the theme of God in relationship with humans. The primary conflict in the Bible is that sin has entered the world and broken the relationship between God and humans, which also means that God's not glorified as he should be. So as the tension builds in the Old Testament, we're asking the question, how will humans be restored into a relationship with God? How will the sin problem be solved? And how will God get the glory he deserves? So last month, we saw how God begins to reveal the answers to these questions as he makes a covenant with Abraham's family to give them a land, a people, and to bless the world through them. But the story ended with the Israelites in Egypt. So will God be able to keep his covenant when they are one family, not a whole nation, and in a foreign land, not in their own country? We pick up with the book of Exodus, and we see, first of all, an answer to the first part of the promise. We see that the Israelites are now a people. They're no longer a single family, but actually a nation. But we also see that the Israelites have a problem. They're such a great nation that the Egyptians have enslaved them in order to keep them under control, and the Pharaoh has actually ordered all the babies to be killed in order to control the population growth. So God's promise to save the world through Abraham, Abraham's family, the Israelites, is threatened. Yes, they're a people, but they're in danger of being wiped out. So what happens next is a capstone moment in the history of Israel. God shows that he is the rescuer of Israel, and it's not just rescue, but it's dramatic rescue. And the rescue happens through a particular man that God has chosen, and we, of course we all know, Moses. 
And Moses himself is a miracle because he should have been killed, but his mother saves him by putting him in a basket and he ends up in Pharaoh's palace. So what's really amazing about this is that he grows up in Pharaoh's household. So he learns how to govern a nation. But at the same time, his mother is his nurse, so he also learns his Israelite heritage and about the Israelite God. And then later in life, he's banished from Egypt for killing someone, and he spends time out in the desert. And that's once again God's providence, because he will spend the next 40 years of his life leading the people through the wilderness. So we really see in Moses God's preparation for the future. We see his plan coming into fruition. God eventually calls Moses back to Egypt to go and lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And when he calls Moses to do this, he does something else which is very significant. He reveals his name to Moses. It says in Exodus 3, starting in verse 13, it says, Then Moses asked God, If I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is how I'm to be remembered in every generation. So God reveals his name. And by doing that, he's first of all telling his character. When he says, I am, that talks about his eternal nature, that he is eternal and self-existent. So this makes him more powerful than any other possible gods, the Egyptian gods or Canaanite gods. So secondly, he's also giving them the opportunity to know him. Knowing a person's name opens up the opportunity for relationship. So here he is inviting Israel into relationship with him. God says at many points throughout the Bible that Israel is his chosen people. So revealing his name like this underscores that relationship. When Moses returns to Egypt, then, of course, we know there's this dramatic confrontation between him and Pharaoh. And we all know the story of the 10 plagues in Egypt. But what I think is really interesting is that the plagues are a direct affront to various gods in Egypt. The Egyptians had a whole pantheon of gods, and they controlled various aspects of nature, and each plague addressed the power of one of those gods. So it was saying the God of of the Israelites is supreme. So just like we saw, he revealed his name. He said, I am the eternal one, the self-existent one, the highest ruler and authority. And now here he's giving the Israelites direct evidence of that through these plagues. I am more powerful than any of the Egyptian gods. And the purpose of this is not just to demonstrate to Israel that God is supreme, but also to show the Egyptians. God wasn't out to just destroy Egypt, but to give the Egyptians an opportunity to repent and to follow him. And many of them do. It says in Exodus twelve thirty eight, a mixed crowd also went up with them. So there were Egyptians who saw the power of God and decided to follow him. So the Israelites leave Egypt. There is a lot to come, but for the moment, they are free. God has rescued his people. Once again, his covenant promise is coming to pass. 
But God doesn't leave it there. He does one more thing to display his glory. In Exodus 14, God leads the Israelites kind of around in a circle so that the Egyptians will come after them. And as God says in chapter 14, verse 4, I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Then I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And Pharaoh does come after them. He rides out with his army in pursuit of Israel, and once more, in a way that clearly displays God's power and glory, God destroys the entire army of Egypt in the Red Sea. As the Israelites come out of the Red Sea, they realize the magnitude of what God has done for them, and they sing a song of praise. It says in Exodus 15, verses 1 and 2, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And then continuing on in verse 11, Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. So the Israelites see that this is the God who will solve their sin problem, who will redeem them, who will bring humans back into relationship with himself. So this sets the stage for the next step on their journey, which is Mount Sinai. And it's at Mount Sinai that God makes a very significant covenant with Israel that's going to guide the nation for basically the rest of its history. So this is found, this covenant is found in Exodus chapters 19 through 24. Here at the very beginning, God says to Moses, this is 19 verse 3, Moses went up the mountain to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. Following this, he gives Israel the Ten Commandments, followed by 52 other commandments about worship and how to live together as a nation. So this is the covenant. If Israel follows the laws that God lays down, he will guide them and protect them as his chosen people. However, if they disobey, his presence and protection will be removed from them. So this is a conditional covenant. God's promise to restore the world to himself remains. It will happen no matter what the Israelites do. However, in order for Israel to participate in the good promises of the covenant, they must follow the conditional covenant that he gives them now. If we look back for a minute at the promise that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you can see again that it's beginning to be fulfilled. He promised them a nation, and now Israel is a nation. He promised them land, and they're now heading to the promised land. He promised them to be a blessing to all nations. And what is significant about this covenant is that he is giving Israel the opportunity to be priests to the nations of the world. The Israelites have the covenant and therefore they can mediate before God for all people. 
Also, God will live with them in the tabernacle, so they will bring in the restoration of God's presence to the world. And that's what happens in chapter 25. God gives Moses the instructions for making the tabernacle, which is where he will live. But even while he's giving those instructions to Moses, the Israelites are down at the base of Mount Sinai making the golden calf. So Israel can't even keep their half of the bargain for a few short days. So though it seems like the promises are being fulfilled, we realize even more acutely that we are going to need a solution from God alone. Even with the presence of God right in front of them, they fail to be a priest to the nations. God is showing our own human weaknesses. We can't follow the law in the way that's necessary. We cannot restore God's presence. There needs to be another way that it will happen. This is so poignantly represented at the end of Exodus. So I have to give credit to the guys from the Bible Project for this because I never noticed it before. But at the end of Exodus, and actually the very first verse in Leviticus, it says Moses is not actually able to enter the tabernacle. It says in Leviticus 1.1, Then the Lord summoned Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. So Moses isn't able to go in yet. The Lord is talking to him from inside the tent of meeting and Moses is outside. So he wasn't able to go in. Something still was missing. So in the interest of not letting these podcasts get too long, I'm actually going to leave you there. So just to recap, the Old Testament builds longing in us as we wait to see the restoration of our relationship with God. And it also builds hope as God unfolds his plan. In Exodus, we see a lot of hope as God miraculously delivers Israel from the land of Egypt. The promise seems like it's being fulfilled because we have a people group heading to a land. And in Exodus, God also institutes a covenant with Moses where God says that if the Israelites will follow his laws, they will be his priests to the nations and his presence will live with them. So we're filled with hope. But the Israelites immediately fail to fulfill their part of the covenant. And once again, we're left longing for a solution, one which depends on God alone. So thank you for joining us on Building a Bridge to God's Word. And I hope you'll join us again next time to see how God's plan continues to unfold. <music>